Hello, my name is Scott Thomas, and this is the fourth episode, believe it or not, of my brand new podcast, Learning As I Go. Firstly, I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who supported last week's episode with Commando Charlie. What a story, what an inspiration. If you've not checked it out, please do. You won't regret it. But this week, we are back with another incredible guest, Mr. Kevin O'Neill from Brevolution. I first came across Kevin on my twin brother's Adam's Instagram. I saw Adam in the middle of a freezing cold river with a guy I've never seen before looking petrified, but strangely enough, looking alive. So straight away, Adam rang me up and said, Scott, you've got to try this cold water therapy. It will change your life. So off I went to meet Kevin and I did my own session. And honestly, it was mind blowing. Kevin taught me about the importance of breathing through our noses, but also how cold water therapy can build up resilience in human beings, both mentally and physically. So today, Kevin joins us to give us another life lesson. But before we start, I want to let you know you will hear references to addiction and suicide in this episode. If you need support, there are details for numbers you can call in the episode notes for this podcast. But for now, it's time to start learning as we go. Kevin, talk to me a little bit about cold water therapy. What is it and how has it changed your life? Well, mate, what an intro. Um, <laughs> cold water therapy, it's, it's vast really, cold water therapy. And the old sort of cold water therapy as we know it, which has sort of been used for uh, muscle injuries and they've used cryo and various other techniques for skin conditions, et cetera, et cetera. Just recently, because of the, uh, the likes of Wim Hof and, and, and various others, uh, breath coaches across the world and stuff, that are also dipping into cold water. We're using it now for building mental and physical resilience and sort of stressing the body. These are stressor exercises. Uh, and I think the thing is about people these days is that we're quite comfortable. We're not cold all that often and we need the cold. The body needs cold. It always has done. Why does the body need cold though, Kev? Why is that? So basically um, in terms of you know mankind and the evolution of mankind, we need stresses on the body. It's how we've Managed to evolve and adapt. So, we're, what we're doing now is we're kind of using cold water and breath practices to to stress the body, so that the body can then make adaptation afterwards. A lot of people think that they're leaving these stressor exercises in the cold, or they're leaving these stressor exercises when they finish their breath meditation. The body doesn't leave it; it remembers, keeps the score, so it creates this adaptation. But the adaptation stays with you, and that's why. These practices, especially cold water, is allowing human beings to build not just physical resilience to resistance in external environment, in life in general, but they're learning to build mental resilience from these, these practices. So that's why they're, they're, they're having such an effect on, on, on mental health and on mine. So go on then, Kev, talk to me about your story and, and how you sort of end up where you are. So what actually happened in your life to lead you to this moment? A lot of things happened really, Scott, and it was um, it was specific things that had happened at a certain time that I realised that I needed to make changes. I was an alcoholic, and you know we spoke about this in the past when we've been together, and I'd struggled with addiction from the age early ages, early twenties, um, and not just alcohol, drug addiction as well. I had ADHD. I think I have still have got ADHD to a, to a degree, and I've always been a mouth breather, Scott, all my life, and. 
I was I was kind of drinking myself to death, I think. And it wasn't until I sort of, you know, you know, you hurt people and you upset people. I wasn't always the greatest husband or the greatest father. And, you know, and that's what the drink does, you know, it affects you that way. And I realized I, I needed to call it a day, but it wasn't until I'd lost my sister, Yvonne, in, in 2019. And that was enough trauma. You know, I watched her die and it was enough trauma for me to, to let go and to stop drinking. I'd been, and I mentioned this to you in the past, you know, I was at the end of a, a rope, mate. I was ready to, to, I was ready to leave here because I was just so depressed and so fed up. You know, I'd been on antidepressants since, you know, the citalopram, sertraline and trying to find ways out. But I just had to stop the drinking. And once that stopped it, it completely changed my life, mate. You know, it really did. What was that moment though, Kev, when you said you were at your darkest moment and you said that you were close to suicide. What was the moment that sort of turned things around for you where you felt like you had to carry on, you had to sort of overcome this? How did you manage to do that? I think it was an accumulation of things, um, Scott, really. You know, I was just so desperate on that particular day. You know, I was down in, I was down in my garage. I was desperate and, you know, I was there with a rope and I, I was imagining it and imagining how it would pan out. And... I'll be honest, I, you know, I, I was thinking about somebody finding me. I was thinking about my son finding me, if I'm honest. And I was petrified of that. I thought, crikey, that'll ruin him for the rest of his. So I just had to sort of pull myself together and, and, uh, and just and make some changes. And, and I started to make changes from that day, really. But it wasn't until I lost my sister that it was, that was completely enough trauma for me to, to knock it on the head completely. I'll be sober two years in July. Wow. Um, and uh, it was by far the, the, the biggest, the, the greatest thing that I ever did was to knock it on the head to, to stop. Amazing, Kev, amazing. Listen, I did um, sobriety for 12 months and it was the best thing that I ever did. And if I'm honest, I've still not figured out my relationship with alcohol. It really does bring out the worst in me and um, it's something that I'm still working on to this day. But um, Kevin, I'm really glad that you, that obviously you did find the strength to power through. And so you, you obviously, you, you started off by giving up alcohol, but like this cold water therapy, this focus on breathing, it's not something that's like really, well, it's becoming a little bit more sort of mainstream now through the likes of Wim Hof and stuff like that. But how did you come about this? And, and what was it, how, what was the sort of first touch point into this world? Yeah, everybody asked me this and I'd, I'd been following Wim Hof for about, about three years and I'd read his book and, and I'd looked at what he was doing and I was interested in, in how the body reacted in the cold. I took a dip into a reservoir with a friend of mine and I, I could feel it. And, you know, I started to overbreathe and I was doing all the, all the usual sort of thing. And I was intrigued as to why my body did that. So I started to do my homework um, and I started to investigate, but I knew that I had to see people do it. So I just started to ask people, you know, you know, come with me, I'll guide you in. But when you're coming in, just be careful of your breathing, you know, try not to breathe through the mouth. This kind of increases fear a little bit. And it started to work. And I was taking people in the water that were quite anxious. And they said, look, I, I hate the cold. I said, I know, but trust me and just see what happens. And they breathe in through their nose and out through their mouth. They come in and I tell them to accept and surrender to the sensations, but don't judge them. You know, they pass, which is what I said to you, you know. And uh, anybody is capable of putting the body through duress. It's just battling with what's going on up here. So yeah, I, I started to uh, to take people in, and it, and it's and here I am. You know, this is this is what I do. <laughs> All right. So basically, obviously, when I went into the water, my instant reaction was to was either to fight or flee, which you say is something quite common. But obviously, 
through your coaching and the way that you looked me in the eyes and you talked to me and said, Scott, don't worry, your body can deal with this, your body can adapt to this. It really did sort of put me at, uh, my mind at rest. And I actually ended up feeling kind of warm after a little bit of a while, which was really sort of mind blowing. But basically what you're trying to say is that sometimes it's through going through that shock and that sort of emotion that we, we sort of get that strength and growth. Absolutely, mate. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned briefly in an Instagram live I did last week, the process of just existing here from childbirth. The very first thing that happens when you're born, you've been in nine months in warm liquid. You've been completely parasympathetic and safe for nine months. You're then born and you do three specific things at once. You take a breath through the mouth, you're cold and you're frightened, you're vulnerable and you start to cry. Eventually you make your way back to mum. And the point of this is that all the way through your life, we're always a little bit vulnerable. We're always a little bit frightened. And we don't like the cold for that reason, because our sort of fear response is connected to cold. But when we get into it, if we're breathing in a way that's parasympathetic, which is what I do with all my clients, I make sure that they're breathing in through their nose and out through their mouth. They're breathing in a manner that's parasympathetic. It's almost similar to be going back to even breastfeeding as a child which means you're breathing through your nose, rest and digest, the opposite to what you just mentioned, this fight, flight, and freeze mode, which is what normally happens when we get into cold water, this, <sighs> this really takes your breath away. That can be avoided if you change the way that you breathe. Obviously, if you're guided by somebody who's experienced, it's a little bit easier still. But yeah, of course. Yeah. Talk to me about the importance of breath work and something that you really focused on breathing through our noses, right? Because you say as human beings, we're not meant to breathe through our mouths. And, and that's why a lot of the time, if we are breathing through our mouths, that's what's creating the anxiety and the stress, right? And you actually went back to how human beings used to have such wider mouths and, and broader sort of jaws because they literally weren't meant to breathe for their mouths. And over time, we've sort of evolved. So talk me through that, the importance of, of breathing and, and why humans shouldn't breathe through their mouths. Yeah, the organ for breathing is the nose and it performs nearly 30 functions, individual functions in the body. Whereas the mouth is just, uh, you know, it's a gateway to the lungs. Uh, the nose is the first line of defense against anything that's airborne, dust, particulates, viruses, infection. So this is why we need to breathe through our nose all of the time, really, as human beings and as mammals. If you look at mammals, even horses and the fastest land animal on earth, the cheetah, when it's running at pace, its mouth is closed. And it has to be, otherwise it'd build up lactic acid, it'd be panting, and it generally wouldn't catch its prey. So we know that mammals are supposed to be breathing through the, through the nose. We've developed mouth breathing because of loads of factors, really. Uh, lifestyle, the introduction of sugars, softer foods. We don't chew the same as our Neanderthal uh, sort of um, ancestors. ancestors. Yes, that's the word, yeah. So... The bit you mentioned about the shape of the jaw is that Neanderthals, if you look at the, the skull of a Neanderthal, they had perfectly straight teeth. They had large upper palates. And this was because they probably breastfed until they were five, six, seven, eight years old. And I know that seems completely far out there now, but they didn't have any dentists. They, they had perfectly straight teeth and they had good uh, upper palates, upper jaws because of the, the breastfeeding, but the amount of chewing that they did as well, the mewing uh, situation in the mouth where the tongue is forced into the roof of the mouth. This changes upper cranial facial development in humans. So the shape of your mouth is affected by how you breathe. They're all interconnected. I feel like I'm getting a history lesson from you, Kevin. Honestly, <laughs> the knowledge is sort of 
endless. But in, so how does breathing through your nose help with stress and, and anxiety then? So basically, if, if you imagine that the first time that you ever experienced breathing through the mouth was associated to fear, your autonomic nervous system remembers that. It remembers how frightened you were when you came from the womb. And every time that you've ever been frightened in your life or you've been upset, you've generally been breathing through the mouth. So if, you, if you've ever had a panic attack or you've had anxiety, people with anxiety will know this, you'll get this. And sorry if this interferes with the mic a little bit, but you're generally sort of, <laughs> that's sort of associated to fear. And it's the same when you're crying, when you're crying, you're not breathing through your nose. You're upset, you're, <laughs> it's all mouth breathing. That was very realistic, by the way, wow. <laughs> I do it a lot to explain to people. So sorry. Sorry if that's triggering for anybody, by the way. But mouth breathing is associated to fear and the mind knows this. So if you're shallow breathing or over breathing through the mouth, sometimes the mind can think that you're frightened all the time. So you're kind of being drip fed adrenaline, epinephrine in your body. And then this starts off a bit of a vicious circle. So you start to over breathe. Your mind starts to, um, struggle with oxygen. You're not delivering oxygen flow to your brain. You start to overthink. You start to feel more frightened. You overbreathe even more. And then you're in that circle. Wow. And that's what anxiety, a lot of anxiety, most, you know, 90% of people that come to me with anxiety are overbreathing wow. through the mouth. So go and tell, tell us about what you do then, Kev, then. So every week now or every day, you're taking people out into the water and you are seeing some sort of massive like drastic changes to people's mental health and anxiety and everything else talk to me a little bit about that and, and how it feels to see the change in people yeah i've i've, I've had the pleasure of, of of taking um you know near as damn it 1100 people wow. in the water in the last two years and it's been very hard work but what i've learned uh, is is tremendous and then everybody's different and because everybody's autonomic nervous system is as unique is your DNA. You know, it's only witnessed from your eyes. So, you know, not two people feel the same when they're getting in the cold. And some people it doesn't suit, you know, it's a given, um, whereas most people it does. So basically I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Buteco breath coach. I did my training with a guy called Patrick McKeown um, and in Ireland at the Buteco clinic, and I'm one of his registered instructors. And it's, it's basically uh, the Buteco method is, is predominantly getting people to breathe through their noses, but also using breathing exercises, which is what I show all my clients. I, I show them breathing exercises to undo maybe years of over-breathing through the mouth because constant over-breathing through the mouth changes your biochemistry, changes how you feel. So that I, I go through some breath coaching, I do some breath exercises, and then eventually I take people into the cold water and get them to breathe in a, in a very unique way so that they feel comfortable. They start off quite frightened and then eventually they start to feel safe like you did where you thought, actually, it feels warm. I'm okay now. Yet two minutes previous, your mind was saying, I've had enough, I need to get out. And it's this transition that's important, Scott. And, and, and I say this to everybody. Two or three minutes ago, you were ready to quit. You were ready to give up. Everything was on top of you in the world. Your, your mind said you need to get out. Yet three minutes passes and you feel safe and you're smiling and you're laughing and you're swimming about enjoying yourself. How can we use that? How can we use that resilience in day-to-day -day life? This is allowing people, my clients are going away, they're winning job interviews. They're getting out of abusive relationships. It's giving them the resilience that they need to feel confident in life, life-changing. 
absolutely life changing. It really is. And do you know what, Kev? That sums up how I felt. Like, so basically, after I came out of the water, it's almost like I went through some kind of battle, right? I was relieved that it was over because obviously it was it was kind of painful. But at the same time is I felt sort of really proud and mentally strong that I overcame it. And I ended up going through the day that day feeling like my body was alive as well. Because I think there was a couple of things going on that you said that your body sort of, is it something to do with like recreates more white blood cells or something like that because your body's been in shock, it repairs itself. Is that right? Sure. There's loads going on in the body. I mean, basically um, it, it opens up your vascular system. It improves your blood pressure and you're creating more white blood cells. You know, you're helping to create more red blood cells, but you're also sort of kickstarting your immune response. You're stressing the body. If you stress the body in small amounts, it will cause this adaptation and this repair. And this is what human beings need. They don't need to be level like this all the time. They need to be up and down, up and down. You know, at one point in our lives, uh, sorry, in our ancestry, we were freezing cold in caves and we curl up in a ball to get warm. You know, the body is capable of so much more. So if we learn how to adapt to external pressure and external environment and stress on the body, this enables us to, to build massive resilience in, in general. Yeah, and I think that really links back to something that I've been thinking about recently about happiness. And I think happiness for human beings comes through progression and not sort of standing still. And that's something that we really talk about at Food for Thoughts as well, um, because it's all about constantly developing and, and moving forward. And I think this really links back to what you're saying in terms of the body needs that challenge, that shock every now and then to make sure it can sort of repair and, and, and really feel like it's overcome something because then it gives you that physical and mental strength as well. And I just ended up going through my day thinking, you know what, if I can overcome in the morning, jumping in a cold water, jump, jumping in cold water like that, then what else can really test me throughout the rest of the day? And, and I really understand how it links to your mental health and it really is incredible. But what would you say to someone, Kev, who's obviously been through a dark moment like you've been through it and obviously feels like they're at a bit of a sort of dead end now? Like, what would be your biggest tip for them? Well, you know, I, I, I have a saying, I'm not overly spiritual, uh, Scott, but, you know, I have a saying that you're a million years in the box. You know, you're here once, regardless of what you think happens afterwards as part of your beliefs. You're here once. That's a given. We all know that. So depending on where you are, I would say connect to self, but get used to being on your own because we're all alone, Scott. We have our loved ones, our, our, our spouses, our partners, our mums, our dads, our friends. But at the end of the day, we are all alone. And let's get used to that. Be happy with yourself, which can sometimes be difficult. But to build resilience, we do need to stress the body, whether that's through diet, exercise, which, you know, you do food for thoughts, you know, you're, you're changing the mindset of these people because you're giving them goals and they're feeling better and they're looking better. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all about changing the chemistry in the body, dopamine, serotonin, and exercise and cold water and breath work is definitely helping with that. Um, but there's always another way. The mind can sometimes tell you some horrible things. The greatest sources of suffering are the lies that the mind tells you. And, you know, don't, don't fall into that trap. There's always another way. Always. That's powerful. Come, and get, come and get in the war with me. Yes, 100%. <laughs> and you know what? That's really powerful, Kev, because 
For me, my biggest superpower over the last few years has been able to spend time on my own. I was always sort of really motivated by spending time with other people. I'd, I'd finish work and drive home and feel like I, I wanted to stop off at my brothers or my friends because I didn't like to be on my own. Whereas now, I'm almost too comfortable on my own to the point where I just love spending time on my own because I feel like that's where a lot of the growth comes. And also a lot of the thinking happens as well. And that's when you really sort of get to know it, get to know yourself. And I also think as well, um, it's really sort of poignant what you said about there is always another way. And sometimes, like you said, our minds can really take us down a rabbit hole um, where we feel like we can't get out of it. Whereas sometimes one thing that I've been doing recently is journaling. So I've been literally taking that sort of step back, getting that sort of new perspective and writing down how I actually feel. Because once you actually put your thoughts and, and your sort of this endless loop that's in your mind on paper, you can sort of digest these problems and get a new sense of perspective as well. And I think sometimes maybe even going into the cold water as well, it gives you that moment to get away from sort of that endless loop as well, because you're in the moment, you're focusing on something else. And I feel like it just snaps you out of things a little bit and gives you that wake up call that you need. So I feel like that's that links into it as well, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense, mate. It's absolutely spot on that. And, you know, I shared your post the other day about journaling and the importance of that. And for some people, that would be like, oh, God, I have to write things down. If you're writing it down, you're thinking about the words more. You're thinking about what that means. But you're also thinking about the reality of it. Is it real? Is it an overthought? Are you overthinking these things? Do they exist? And 90% of the time, the catastrophizing mind, it doesn't exist. You know, these things are not real. They're just the body's or the mind's way, the autonomic nervous system's way of trying to find safety for you. But it has to use prediction of the future and it has to go back over the past to times when we were unsafe or we were frightened to try and keep us safe in the present. But it, it creates this wish wash like you mentioned there. And, you know, doing these daily practices can 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 make a big difference in terms of in terms of how we feel emotionally. Mm. Uh, as well. Talk to me about being in the present, Kevin, and how important that is because nothing gets you more in the present than being in the cold water. How important is it to be present in everything that we do in life? Because also that's what breathing does as well. That's what everyone talks about. Focusing on your breathing really brings you back into the moment. But why is presence so important? Yeah, presence. I think, you know, I, I say this to everybody as well, you know, Jesus and Buddha and Moses, Abraham, the prophet Muhammad, you know, the, the Buddha, the, all these people in the past that we revere of, you know, the ancients and the, these characters, they all found presence. They all disappeared into the woods, the caves, the trees, the mountains, and they spent long times on their own. And they managed to quieten the overthinking mind. They became present. And I think people like Sadhguru, they, they explain it as is that we're always living the dream. We're living a dream. We're always in thought. We're always in thought pattern. And this is why it's important sometimes to ground and be present in the moment because it reminds us that we are here in the present moment. There is no future. There is no past. My wife doesn't exist right now. My, my, my children don't exist. The only important people in my world at the moment is, is you, you know? So it's because this is presence. This is now. It's not two seconds from now. It's not two seconds ago. That's past. It's now. And that's presence. And not many people live in that presence. It's very, very difficult to be present all the time because you have to plan. 
and you have to arrange. Mm. And you can't live your life being constantly present all the time. But give yourself at least 20 minutes a day where you can sit with your breath and nothing else or get into the cold so that you can feel absolute presence. And this helps to build resilience. You know, it helps you to feel connected. And and this is one of the, the most important things is feeling connected. Yeah, and I think that's one of the main reasons that I came to see you, Kev, because my mind is constantly in overdrive and constantly worrying about the future, my big goals and my aspirations. And sometimes I just want to be in the moment. I want to be there. I don't want to be on my phone, on social media. I just want to be where I am. And coming to see you really helped me achieve that. And I think I'm always looking for new ways to do it. And I also um, have one of your MP3s of a, a 20 minute guided uh, meditation that I, I use regularly. And it literally helps me to fall asleep and nothing helps me to fall asleep. You know, I actually, I actually, do, I actually do the full thing. I don't fall asleep while I'm doing it. But afterwards, I'm so calm and so present that I'm so relaxed. And I think it's so important for all of us to realize that our minds are not us. Our minds are separate to who we are. And I think that's what we learn from being present. Again, it can sound quite spiritual, but it's that inner sort of being that we are. We are not our minds. And I think sometimes our minds are controlling everything about us. And I think I can't recommend enough to anyone who's looking for presence, who's looking for that sort of moment of just being quiet and being in the moment, then coming to see you, Kev, and getting into the water and experiencing <laughs> that because there's so many different benefits. It makes you feel alive. And listen, we need to do another session soon. And I know we are doing one with Food for Thoughts as well, which I'm really looking forward sure. to. But Kevin, Super honestly, excited. like every time I'm with you, I just feel like I could sit and listen to you forever because I, you're just an absolute wise old owl. Sorry, <laughs> minus the old, but you are literally- <laughs> Definitely old. Honestly, <laughs> you're so wise, Kevin. What you've overcome and what you've been through is just- inspirational and the fact that you are now dedicating your life to transforming and helping so many other people is just inspirational and um, i'm just so proud of you mate so thank you so much for joining me today mate wow yeah what can i say about that and um, you, you've been nothing but a constant support for me since since the day i saw you uh, and i thank you for that i really do and it's a pleasure mate i can't wait for for the food for thoughts you get together uh, and dip and sort of breath coaching i can't wait to take your crew on board and and take them through it, or at least some of it anyway. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm always there to take, to take you into the river. We're going to go down. Is, where are we going? Are we going to, is it Thornby Beach or something? Thornby, yeah. We're going to sunny Thornby. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to take in two groups, two separate groups there, about 20 people at a time, just taking through the process. You know, show them some breathing techniques, explain a bit about their breathing, take them into the sea, get them to breathe nice and calm so that they can feel connected. Wow. Yeah, can't wait. I can't, can't wait, wait to do this again, Kev, but thank you so much. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Right, let's take a breath together. <sighs> wow, I felt like I needed that. And honestly, it's absolutely mind-blowing how much we take for granted our breath work. And Kevin today has taught me and hopefully you so much about the importance of the human body, building up resilience and the different ways that we can do that. So thank you, Kevin, for another incredible episode. But next week, we are back with another inspirational queen of positivity, Miss Kate Cocker. And honestly, the best superpower in life for me is positivity. And I surround myself with great people. And Kate taught me so much. And she's going to join us to give us some life lessons on how to stay positive every single day. Positivity is not about pasting a smile over the cracks of life. Positivity is about knowing that you can cope with the cracks of life because, hey, guess what? There are cracks all over the place. 
So make sure you stay tuned for that. And please don't forget to rate, review, and follow the podcast because honestly, it makes a massive difference and it means a lot to me. And also drop me a DM on Instagram at scott.thomas and I'll reply to any of your messages. But until then, I will see you next week.